Did you know that, that the International Society for Human Rights, it's not a Christian organization. The International Society for Human Rights say that 80% of religious freedom violations throughout the world, 80% are against Christians. So the majority, 80% are, are not targeted towards people who follow Jesus. Since the birth of the church, the day of Pentecost, since, since you know, the disciples had the Holy Spirit poured out on them, since that day, there have been over, some estimations, over 70 million Christians killed for their faith. I realize this isn't like an easy, hey, let's, let's laugh morning. It's, it's not going to be a, a touchy-feely in that kind of sense. This is reality that we have to know here in the West, that we have to know in America what's really going on in the world to some degree. 70 million Christians. Here's a, st- a stat that's going to blow your mind. Half of that number has been in the last 100 years. So it's picking up speed. For example, since 1982, over 300,000 Christians have been killed in Sudan. Sudan, the East African nation been killed. 300,000 people killed because they follow Jesus. The stats could go on and on. I could stand up here and just do, 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 do. I would encourage you to uh, inform yourself with re- the reality of what's going on. You know, uh, there's some great, uh, the, the persecuted church. If you just Google that, you'll find tons and tons of things about what's going on in the world. And I honestly, I'm inadequate to teach this morning. The truth is anybody in this room is inadequate because I've never experienced that kind of persecution. No one in here has experienced that kind of persecution. Because if anybody thinks that following Jesus is, is easy, you, you figured this out, right? You're sorely mistaken that following Jesus is, is easy. If you're going to follow Jesus, you must be willing to face rejection. You must be willing to face criticism, disapproval. Um, peer pressure, etc. So this series that we're looking at the, the early church and the book of Acts, and we're not going verse by verse, but we're taking the, the highlights, the big things that happened in the book of Acts, and talking about what happened after Jesus died, was resurrected, and, and went to heaven, and what he commissioned his disciples to do. What they were doing is what God has called us to do, and to just continue what he uh, did through them. And so today we're going to look at a guy named Stephen and what what happened to him. His story is in Acts chapter 6 and 7. I'm not going to read all of that. But what we're going to talk about is what should I do when I'm opposed for my faith? What should you and I do when our faith is opposed? Now Stephen, if you go back to to chapter chapter 6, I'll just tell you the story briefly. He, He was a common man. Stephen was, was, was a common man that had a, a unique calling on his life, like many of us in this room. Stephen, at the time that he was called to his ministry, the church was started blowing up on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people were added and it just continued to grow every day. Scripture says the Lord added to their number daily. So the apostles were trying to give themselves to the preaching of the gospel, give themselves to the spread of the word and to prayer and to ministry, but there was tons of needs. The church was being the church already. They were meeting the needs of, of the orphans and the widows and they were distributing food and you know how the scripture says that they, they shared everything. And so the 
apostles were kind of spinning plates and juggling and, and doing everything, both the ministry part and, and the serving part. So they said, you know what? Let's, let's find some faithful people that can, can handle this part of the food distribution. So here's the common guy, Stephen, right? And he goes and he, he's the first deacon is what they call it. So deacon is a, uh, the Greek word for that is a servant. So he begins to serve and distribute the food. And, but it says about Stephen, he might have been a common man, but in the Lord he was not common. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And that as he would go about distributing the food, he would do miracles and signs and wonders. So he obviously wasn't just checking people off a list. Okay, you got yours, you got yours. He was actually stopping and ministering. And he would pray for people. And they were seeing great signs and wonders happen. And people, it got back to the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the the religious Jewish court of the time where they would have trials. And they brought Stephen as he was doing this. They, were, they wanted him to stop doing that. They, they didn't want Jesus's, you know, this Jesus thing to continue to blow up. So they, they seized him and they brought him before the Sanhedrin. And Stephen, in the way that the, the Jewish people would, would recite the history of how God had dealt with his people. He starts with Abraham, then he goes to Moses, David, so on and so on, and he gets to Jesus. And he tells them that Jesus had come and and died for them and and, and was resurrected just as the prophets had foretold all that was going to happen. And then his preaching got him in big trouble. Because he finally says to them, he says, you're you're a stiff-necked people. He said, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit. And it says, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they gnashed their teeth at him. It says, but Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. And Stephen looked up to heaven and he had a vision of Jesus at the right hand of the Father, it says. And he says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And it says, at this, they, they plugged their ears and they just gnashed their teeth. They said, stop. It says, they grabbed him and they seized him and they beat him and they took him outside of the city. They picked up rocks, stones, and threw stones at him until he, he died. It says, while they were still stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out. Now, you got to picture this. He's still getting pelted. Another rock. He's on his knees. And he says, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And then he died. That's how he went out. And it says that a man named Saul was standing there approving of this killing. Saul, we're going to find out next week, became Paul. One of the amazing conversions in Scripture. What God ended up using, this guy who was standing there saying, yep, kill these Christians, let's do away with them. And then pick it up in verse, chapter 8, verse 1. On that day, it's on your notes, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So it continued. In 68 AD, the emperor Nero, he burned Rome on purpose and then blamed the Christians. He, he wanted to do away with the Christians too. You had the religious people who wanted to do away with this, 
this Messiah, and then you had the Roman Empire. They didn't want to hear anything about this other king and who's the king of the world and the king of the universe. So let's do away with this. So he burns Rome and he blames the Christians. Then they began to put Christians, throw them to the lions. They would make human torches out of Christians. Can you imagine that? Like, you got to put yourself in their shoes. This really happened because somebody claimed that Jesus was who he said he was, like you do, many in this room do, and they preached the gospel and shared their faith. They were put as a torch to light up the city at night. People would walk by and see that. And that was somehow normal to them. In 81 AD, the the next emperor, he continued the persecution. Anyone who wouldn't renounce their faith died, punished severely. Here's the question. What is it costing you and I today to follow Jesus? What's it costing us? For many, it's cost them their lives. Cost them everything. I had a, when I went to Israel the very first time, our guide, his name was Yehuda. And he was the son of an Orthodox rabbi. And Yehuda was a uh, runner in the Israeli Olympic team, long distance runner. And I remember meeting him, talking to him and you know, I said, Yehuda, how'd you become a Christian, you know? And it was obviously, that was pretty intense because he was like, I- I'm going to tell you later in the week when it's, when it's, you know, it's not just, hey, it was passing by kind of thing. This was going to be a deep conversation. Yehuda told me that he got injured and had to go to the hospital. And while he was in the hospital, a group of Christians came in and they were praying for people. And they came into Yehuda's room and they prayed for him that he would be healed. And as they prayed for him, Jesus appeared to him and said, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you're looking for. I've already come and I'm coming again. Bam. He has a vision like Stephen did. He saw it. Well, he went home and he told his dad, he said, he said, Dad, the Christian Jesus, he is the Messiah. He appeared to me. He, he, he told me who he was. I saw him. And his dad said, I don't have a son anymore. Get out of my house. You're going to follow him. You're no longer my son. It cost him family to follow Jesus. Now, thankfully, a little bit later, they kind of did reconcile, whether at least eating together a little bit. But for him to follow Jesus cost him his family. Again, Christianity, it's not for the weak. It's not easy. So I want to give you, real quick, just three things to remember when your faith is opposed. When you feel the rejection for being a follower of Jesus. When you feel disapproval. When you feel peer pressure to not live the way God wants you to live. To to not live righteously. Whatever that pressure comes on you. What should you do when your faith is opposed? First thing I'd tell you is this. Remember that opposition to your faith can make me more like Jesus. It can make you more like Jesus. Look what Jesus said. He told his disciples, he said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they would obey your, will obey yours also. Those of you that are new to church, those of you that are, are new to Jesus, 
And there's many people that come to Novation that are, you're investigating, you're checking it out, and that's awesome. That's why we exist, is, is, is to be there for you. As Grant said, you can belong before you believe. Listen, we're, we're not going to bait and switch you. That I mean, the goal is that we want you to become followers of Jesus because we believe he's real and he's impacted our lives and believe that's our calling. But I don't want to ever bait and switch somebody that this impression of following Jesus is just some simple thing that he's a get-out-of-jail-free card or that he's going to just, you know, he'll meet your needs and you'll feel better following Jesus. No, following Jesus is hard, but it's worth it. And it's the best ever. Jesus said if we would lay down our lives and, and, and give our lives to him, back to him, he'll give us what life really is about. And you'll experience what real life is about. So God wants us to become like Jesus. Therefore, we're going to go through what he went through. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. I want you to think for a second. Where is that situation in your life where you're feeling persecuted or opposed for your faith? Maybe it's at the workplace. Maybe it's in your family. Um, you know, a neighbor, whatever situation you're finding yourself in, going through that is going to make you more like Jesus. Second thing I want you to know, remember is opposition can deepen my faith. When you get opposed for your faith, it can deepen it. Just like going to the gym and working out your muscles and straining and stretching them make your muscles stronger. When you go through opposition, it is going to uh, strengthen your faith. Peter says this. The Apostle Peter writes, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now when Peter wrote that, the church was being persecuted big time. People were dying for their faith. So this wasn't, you know, I got a bad relationship problem or I lost my 401k or I need to find a job kind of trials. This was the trial that if I follow Jesus, it could cost me my life. Some of the most faith-deepening things in my life have come when someone opposed my faith. When someone challenged what I thought I believed and I went back to the scriptures and asked questions and got around other believers and tried to find out really what does the Bible say about these things. And my faith and roots went deeper and deeper and deeper. I know that's the same as is true for many of you. As your faith has been opposed and challenged, you've gone deeper and you've gotten stronger in your faith. Thirdly, third thing to remember when your faith is, is opposed is this opposition to your faith, when it's handled right, when it's handled in a Christ-like manner, it's going to reap you eternal rewards. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. Jesus said and promised, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It takes courage to follow Jesus. It really does. It takes courageous faith. And you may feel today like, man, Scott, I don't feel like I have that. Some days I don't either. That's why we depend upon Jesus. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
I was, uh, I'm going to, in all the, the home groups are going to have an opportunity to watch a, a clip about a Chinese believer in China. And the church is still highly, highly persecuted in China, where it's illegal to be a Christian in many places. And it's an actual story. They had to, like, block out the people's faces and stuff just in case, so they, you know, travel on the, the Internet or YouTube or whatever. But this man sharing his story about bringing people to Jesus and sharing the gospel and the potential trouble that that happens for him, you know, being persecuted. So, again, this is hard for us to understand because we live in America. We think we're persecuted when they say, people say we can't say Merry Christmas or we can't pray in school. I'm sorry, that's not persecution to the depths that people are experiencing throughout the world. It's important that we are, are informed and understand. Can you imagine if one of us was in prison today for, for our faith? One of your brothers and sisters that you actually know? We need to th- know that we have brothers and sisters throughout the world. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to, to, to be informed and understand and, and know how to pray. So when, when opposition happens, I want to give you some tools that I think will really remember those three things. Those are kind of motivators. But then here's some actual tools that you can use when you're, you feel like you're being opposed for your faith. First thing is this. Don't be surprised. The first thing you need to remember is I should expect it. Look what Paul told Timothy. He said, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Circle the word all on your notes. I'll make you a Greek scholar today. The word for all in Greek means all. Hey, you didn't laugh at that. That was actually supposed to be funny. All means all. So everybody who actually follows Jesus is going to experience some level of opposition. Expect it. Don't be surprised. You shouldn't expect everyone to support your decision to follow Jesus. Because it's going to affect somebody some way in how they see you, how they, how they see your life, and, and what your, your life is about. I think many people have done damage to the cause of Christ because they didn't have the tools and they didn't have the right expectation in how to handle it in a Christ-like manner. And so we react, we get mad, we get in arguments, we say things that, 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 we, that we shouldn't say and we, we, we go the wrong direction when it comes trying to, to help people see Jesus. So first of all, simply don't be surprised. When you go through opposition. Next time you feel it, go, you know what? This, Jesus said this was going to happen. Secondly, I would tell you this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when it happens. Peter again says this. He says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. <laughs> Don't fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Remember this. Some of you, you're afraid of opposition and you shut down. And maybe you don't even share your faith because you're afraid of somebody. The more you step out, the more confident you'll become in Christ and the more confident you'll become in what, what he, he will do in and through you. Experience always breeds confidence. 
I remember, honestly, about two or three weeks after I became a Christian, um, I was invited to go preach the gospel in the Denver City County in jail. I'd never done anything like that. I'm a two-week-old Christian. All I knew was Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So, I mean, that's about what I was banking on at, at that point in time. But I was in. I was with him. And I remember going in that day, and they said, we don't have enough people to go in all the different cell blocks. So, Scott, two-week-old Christian, you get to go preach in a cell block of about 50 guys all by yourself who are in jail over the weekend. Thanks a lot. Uh, How did I get into the middle of this one here? And I remember I walked in. I was like, Lord, I have no idea what to do in here. I was kind of tagging along to learn. I got thrown into the fire. And I remember going in and seeing all these inmates. What what am I going to say? And I just began to share with them what Jesus had done for me and what my life was like and what he had done and how I knew I was forgiven and what he had done for me. And it was pretty cool. Except one guy. There's always that one guy, right? You got to be that guy. That guy came up to me after we were done and he was like, he had all these deep theological, philosophical questions he threw my way. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. I just, you know, I I don't know. And there was an African-American guy came over and he saw the guy had me kind of cornered. Because I'm, I'm locked in this cell, right? I mean, there's no getting out. And the, this African-American guy came over, and he goes, he goes, man, leave him alone. He did the best he could. I was like, thank you, man. You know, the guy, thank you. Will you stay here for a little bit? But uh, <laughs> they want to get prison shanked, right? But I didn't. That never happens. But you never know. You know, you're getting cornered. I'm being opposed for my faith. And I didn't know what was happening. But you know what? Since then... I remember a mentor of mine saying, Scott, you don't have to have the answer to every question when you're sharing your faith. Just share what Jesus has done for you. That's what it really ultimately means. If somebody has a question that's over your head or that's too deep for you, go, go do some research, but don't feel like that is a game changer that you should never share your faith. Just share his love. Just share what he's done for you. That's all Jesus expects of any of us to do. You know how many times we're told in the Bible, over a hundred times or more, we're told to not fear, don't be afraid, fear not. hundred or so times that we're told that. Don't fear the disapproval of somebody else more than you fear God. Don't fear rejection from people more than you fear God. When you know God's love and when you know his approval in Christ... Because of what Christ did, that will help you overcome all those fears. When you find your identity in Jesus and not in what people think of you, then all those fears, they, they, they shrink and they go, they, they, can, can, they actually can disappear. Where you can become bold. I guarantee every person in this room has somebody they look up to and say, man, that person is bold. Well, I bet if you look at the root of that person's life, it's because they're anchored in to who Jesus is and what Jesus did for them. And their identity is not found in what people think of them. Important that we get that. That's how Stephen was able to say, Lord, don't hold this against them. And he was able to, to take them to the throne of God and say, Father, forgive them, just like Jesus said. They even know what they're doing. We need to have courageous compassion rather than reaction. We tend to react when somebody doesn't like us or we're opposed for our faith and we react and bow up. Eh. That's never got us anywhere. 
We need compassion. Thirdly, I would tell you this. Don't be ashamed. Don't be surprised. Don't be afraid. And don't be ashamed. Peter says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. You're gonna, we, you read this past week in Acts 5. We're, as If you're new to what we're doing in our AD series, everybody's reading through the book of Acts. If you download the Novation app or go to the website, you'll see that reading plan. You can catch up pretty quick. But we've been reading the book of Acts as well. We're going to read the whole thing by the time this series is over. And uh, the home groups are talking about that as well. But it, in Acts 5, there's a story about how Peter... They, they had healed uh, a, a beggar who, who was, who, uh, he was crippled and, and was begging. And he said, I don't have money, but I, what I have I give to you in the, in the name of Jesus. Rise. And he healed him. And it got back to the Sanhedrin. It got back to those religious leaders that they did this in Jesus' name. This is how the, the miracle happened. And uh, so they said, we, we, we tell you, do not preach in this Jesus name anymore do not speak his name they were like listen say what you want we're going to do obey God rather than men and it was important that they said that so the Sanhedrin were frustrated at their response so they beat them pretty bad they were beaten with rods because they were preaching Jesus and it says in Acts 5 41 I, I wouldn't enjoy that I don't know about you, but it says this. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Imagine walking out, bloody lip, black eye. Cool, man. Boom, me and Bradley are high-fiving each other. We got beat up for the name of Jesus. Ah, I don't know. Lord, make us ready that day did, did ever come. But that's, that's how they, they saw it. There's a temptation for all of us to want to be liked and approved rather than to be faithful to Jesus and to tell people about Jesus. How many understand what I'm talking about? There is a temptation. I have it every day, and so do you. Young people in this room, students, you... you're probably not going to be popular when you walk the way of Christ, when you walk the way of righteousness, when you make choices that God would want you to have. When you don't follow the crowd, you're probably not going to be popular. Who cares? What has popularity ever got anybody anyway but a big headache? Follow Jesus no matter what. Put your hope in him and trust him even when, when other fellow students or whatever reject you. Put your hope in him. and Watch what he'll do in and through your life. Don't be ashamed to share the gospel. And listen, be in reality. Don't expect everyone to respond to you and accept it every time you open your mouth that you share Jesus. Every person in this room that's following Jesus, for the most part, if you weren't raised in church, If you weren't raised in church, how many times did it take for you to hear somebody to tell you that God loved you, that Jesus died for you? It took several times for all of us to finally be broken down and have the Spirit move on us where we finally say, you know what, I'm trusting in Him. So don't expect that. My brother gave me a a YouTube video by by Francis Chan. Francis Chan is a pastor-preacher. He was... uh, 
I think this video has been circling Novation, thanks to Frank Ponting. But we, uh, I've been watching. I watched it and was very convicted. It was a message called "Holy Anguish," and he was talking about caring about people in their eternal destinies more than their approval. In many ways, that was some of the things that stood stood out to me. He told this story about a former NBA player that he knew that was a Christian. And he said the NBA player came to him and he said that uh, he had had this reoccurring dream. And this reoccurring dream was he was seeing people that he knew, teammates that he knew, on their way to an eternity in hell without, without you know, separated from God. And they were holding their hands up like this and they were cursing at him. And they were like, you knew this was going to happen to me? And you cared more that I would like you than to tell me the truth? What's wrong with you? Whew, man. Cut me, my heart. Do I care enough about people to tell them the truth and not worry about that? We're talking about a big deal here. And we worry about whether people like us or not. There was a, saw in a, a a thing by, you know, if you've ever heard of Penn and Teller, they're famous like magicians. They have a, a show in Vegas. And the guy, Penn Gillette is his name. He is a huge uh, self-proclaimed atheist and kind of has a lot of talks and things, his own little channel, you know, show and channel on YouTube. And, and one of the quick little snippets, one time he was talking about to Christians, and he said... He was talking about if Christians really believe. He doesn't believe. He's an atheist. God's not real. The Bible, etc., etc., etc. doesn't like religion. But he challenges Christians and he says, he says, listen, if you really believe there's a heaven and you really believe there's a hell and that if for someone to have eternal life is, is to trust in Jesus and for someone to be separated in darkness forever, he said, how much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about it? That's from an atheist. I know this is, it's not touchy-feely stuff, but this is stuff we need to hear and we need to think about. And we need to keep our focus on what God did for us and what he wants to do in and in through us and never to lose sight of that. Number four, don't forget the real source of our opposition. Don't forget the real source of our opposition. There's an unseen battle going on. We've got to learn to look beyond the person that's, that's opposing us or, or, or bothering us or whatever's going on. We've got to look beyond that. What's the source? It says this in Ephesians. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I think about this a lot. We've got to have a proper understanding of who the enemy is. And what that op- where that opposition comes from. I hear people say this a lot. I've said it. Maybe you've said this before. Man, I feel like I'm being attacked. I feel like I'm being attacked. Well, I, I think we should change and shift our thinking just a bit on that. That Jesus said that he was going to build his church. And that the gates of hell were not going to withstand it. Well, gates are a defensive thing. They're a defensive thing to keep... Keep somebody out. That's why you have a gate. That's why you have a fence. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, 
He's building it through people and the gates of hell. So you're going in to, you know, the, the, the hell on earth and rescuing people from an eternity separated from God. And he said, we're going in. So every time you go to do something that's in the name of Jesus to love people, this world is broken. And it's, there, like Scripture said, it's, it's the, the dark world that's around us. There is a, a, a domain that's here that you're breaking through. So you're not being attacked. You're being resisted. Those of you that step out to do something, you're being resisted because you're coming in stirring things up. You're going into somebody else's territory. Jesus said his kingdom was not of this world. His kingdom is to come. But it, his kingdom is also coming day by day, little by little, through people coming to, to saving faith in him where he's the king. And if he's the king of your life, the kingdom of God has come upon you, he said. So you're being resisted. Satan is an, is an intimidator. He's an accuser. And I remember one time going up to the Pearl Street Mall to, to share Jesus and to, to get some video of what people believed about heaven and eternity and so forth. This was back in my youth pastor days. And I remember as we left, we had done some pretty cool things that happened there. This lady that, that was like a homeless lady, you know, shopping cart and everything, right? And she, she looked at me and the guy that I was with, and, and she said, I know why you were here. Get out of here. We don't want you here. Whoa, I, you know, this, was, this was on. This was real. This was kind of freaky. He's an intimidator. Satan knows that he can't hurt God, so he tries to hurt God's kids. That's where the opposition comes from. He wants to hurt his kids. So don't argue with people when you're opposed. Has anybody been ever argued into the kingdom? Has anybody been ever argued into following Jesus? I doubt it. It's through love and mercy and a continual, uh, you know, speaking the truth in love. So we don't argue. Look what uh, Paul advised Timothy. He said, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Able to teach, not resentful. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. And they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Remember the real source of your opposition. Number five, don't retaliate, but respond with blessing. Don't retaliate, but respond with blessing. When somebody treats you like an enemy, it's tough to respond with love. And yet that's the command. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for your, those who spitefully, you know, talk about you and use you. Jesus is our example. Peter says this about Jesus when he was on the cross. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. George Washington Carver was an African-American at the turn of the last century and... Uh, you know, went through the persecution of racist stuff. He said something that I think applies. He said, I will never let another man control my life by making me hate them. That's good. Never let somebody else control your life by making, uh, making you hate them. Whenever you and I react or retaliate, we're giving control to another person. We've all said this before. You make me so mad. Okay, you just admitted to that person they had the power to control you. 
You make me so mad. You choose whether you're going to get mad. You choose how you're going to respond. And if you change that, you've now brought the control back to you under the control of God in your life and let him be in control. Said, you know, Stephen again, he responded with blessing as they stoned him. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. He responded with blessing. The mark of forgiving somebody is that if you've really forgiven them is you can pray for them. You can take them before the throne of God. That's a mark that you can know whether you've truly forgiven somebody or not. Paul says this, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Reminded me of of a story of a famous missionary named Jim Elliott. How many have, have heard of that story? There was a movie recently in the last 10 years called The End of the Spear. Highly encourage you to, to read that. Jim Elliott and some of his friends, missionary friends, wanted to reach an unreached uh, Ecuadorian Indian tribe. There was, you know, one tribe had never had the gospel preached to them. There was no church, no presence there. And so they did what missionaries do. They, they had a whole strategy plan of how they were going to bring the gospel. And they would fly over and they would drop gifts. And they would drop them down through a big you know, basket and then different things. And, and the, they, the people started responding by giving gifts back. And then they would, they would fly by and they would say kind words in their language to them. And so they thought, we're, we're breaking down the walls. Well, they, there, there was a danger about this in this people that they were going to. Certain oil companies had tried to go in there. Anytime outsiders of their tribe came in, they would kill them with spears. And um, so one time they they'd felt they had finally had that call. And so they, they were all on, on the beach there trying to bring the gospel and, and befriend these people. Well, uh, they, Jim Elliott had a gun and he had one in his pocket. They had all decided that if they were ever in big trouble, that they would not kill one of the Indians because they didn't want them going out into eternity with, with them being responsible for it, not hearing the gospel. Keep, keep that in your mind. Well, I'll make the story short for you. They were all killed. Jim Elliott was killed at the end of a spear. And, um, you know, devastated, right? His wife, his wife Elizabeth and her sister prayed hard and said, Lord, what do you want us to do? And they felt like they had a call to go back to these people. His wife went back to the people that took his, her husband's life and loved on them. And as the story goes, they ended up winning this tribe to Jesus. And the very man that killed her husband became a follower of Christ. Wow. Responding with blessing. It's amazing. Last thing I want to tell you is this. When you're opposed, don't forget to pray for those who are truly being persecuted. This is important. When you're opposed, somebody disapproves or is rejected or whatever, take it as an opportunity to remind yourself, Scott, when I'm opposed, Scott, people are dying in Sudan today because they follow Jesus. Just because somebody didn't like you because you're a Christian or, or rejects you, you're not... You're not being killed for it. Keep that in mind. There's a, a great book called Fox's Book of Martyr. And the Fox's Book of Martyrs uh, 
through chronologically from Stephen on to what's happened in the last most frequent years. It's called the Voice of the Martyrs is their website. But they have a way that you can pray for those that are being persecuted, those that are in, in prison today for being a Christian. In, in North Korea alone, there's not many Christians, but there's 70,000 people in jail for, for being preachers of Jesus and for saying they're Christians. Here's a real quick. Pray for those in prison that they would know they are not forgotten. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. You want to know how to pray? Put yourself in their shoes. Think about if one of us was there. That makes it really tangible and real. Pray that the needs of the families of the martyrs would be met abundantly. Often dad or somebody is taken away from, from that home and, and, and so we, we just need to pray for them. It says in scripture that all glory to God who is able through all his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever think or ask. Pray that the government and prison officials would be drawn to Christ. Jesus said no man could come to him unless the Father drew them. Pray that the Father would draw people in power to Christ. Pray that those being persecuted would love those that persecute them. Pray that they would be strong in their faith. Jesus said love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. And then pray that God would give new ways and open doors for the gospel to go forth in these restricted nations. Paul said this, he said, pray for us that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Rusty and Kristen, who are missionaries in Mozambique, that's a, a Muslim nation. And Rusty was telling me a little bit, it's, it's peaceful, but... Um, it's still, there's a lot of work to be done. So keep, keep those missionaries in your prayer, prayers. I've asked my brother Mike to come out, that he would just say a prayer for the persecuted church this morning, if you would just agree uh, with him in prayer. How many of you guys have um, read The Heavenly Man? Um, the, it's a story of Brother Yoon in China, and... Um, I actually uh, downloaded it on audio.com about three years ago and listened to it coming back from one of Micah's games uh, um, in Iowa. And uh, it's a nine-hour drive, and it's about a nine-hour thing. And the whole, whole way home, I, I remember I bought a bunch of snacks and stuff for my drive home. And as I got into it, I couldn't even uh, eat. I just was listening to what he went through. He was just sharing um, the, the persecution and, and detail, the suffering sticking needles, getting needles stuck in his fingernails until they were numb, getting um, electric, uh, electric shock therapy, um, and, and so many things, you know, he uh, went into prison, he went on this long fast, and, um, and just seeing his heart for his persecutors just really blew me away, you know, and it's like, wow, we don't know anything, we don't know anything, and, um, and so, I'm going to buy uh, 10 copies of that, and anybody, uh, when it comes, um, wants to come up to me, I'm going to give it to, to you guys for free. And if more than 10 come, then I'll, I'll buy more. But it, it's really uh, affected my life, and we, we went up, about 20 of us went and saw Brother Yoon in, um, in Estes Park a couple of weeks ago. He, he actually got out of China. It was, he persecuted for about 20 years, just beaten, and 
and um, until he couldn't walk. And then God just did so many miracles. I mean, you want to see the book of Acts? Read that book. It's, it's like that's the book of Acts, um, exactly what we see in the book of Acts. Um, and I say that first because I'm going to pray for the persecuted church right now. But um, when I was listening to the book, he, he, um, he was saying in there, when Westerners pray for, for us, they always want to pray that um, we'll get out of jail or, or whatever it is. And, and he said, I appeal to you guys to not pray for that because he believed God did that for a purpose. Yes, it was sinful men who did it, but somehow God in his sovereignty allows things to happen and even orchestrates them at times. And he said, I knew when I was in jail, I wasn't going to stay in there one more day or one less day than God had ordained. Not, it doesn't matter what these people um, do. And in that, he could love them. And, and that's how he, pray, he would pray for them. And it was very convicting. You know, when we get a little bit of persecution, um, you know, when somebody says something, someone doesn't like us, we want to shut up. You know, he wouldn't shut up. He saw souls at stake. And that's how we should be. So, but in his plea, he said, pray for those that they will endure the hardship, not escape it. Because he saw that as the lack that we have in America. The lack that we have in America. We don't have that. And so we live comfortable lives, and it's, and it's harder to be um, full blast going 100%. And so God will bring persecution, he said, when he starts seeing that happen too much. So he thinks it's coming our way. So I'm going to pray in, in Brother Yoon's way that, that God would um, give them strength. So pray with me. Father, we, um, we thank you for being sovereign and loving Beautiful God, thank you that you've saved us, Lord, by your grace. And Lord, we remember those now. That even now there's people going through that. Someone right now is being electrocuted, stuck with pins, um, suffering, um, going without food for days, or maybe given a stale piece of bread. And then saying, if we'll deny, um, you deny your, your Christ, we'll let you go. Lord, would you give them strength to not deny you? Would you give them strength to stand uh, for the gospel? Would you give them strength, God, to uh, be filled with holy power from heaven, Lord? It's not them, Lord, but it's by the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray that you would fill them with love for the people who are persecuting them, Lord, whether they're in a jail or whether it's um, authorities nearby them, or whether it's family that's rejected them. Lord, would you fill them with love for their, for their captors, Lord, for those who are hurting them, just as you did Stephen, as he prayed for them, as he went to, uh, to die and saw you and went to heaven. Lord, I pray that you would give them strength, Lord. I pray that you would give them power to um, um, accept what you've allowed for them to happen, God. And then all these uh, reasons for it, that they wouldn't question you, Lord. They would see the fruit of what they're going through is producing in them um, all the fruit of the Spirit. That they're seeing what's eternal and not what's temporary. Lord, I pray for us. I pray for me. Open my eyes, God. 
and let me see eternity, Lord. I pray for Novation Church. Lord, open our eyes and let us see, God. I pray for America, Lord, that you would open our eyes. Lord, I pray whatever it takes to make us um, live out our faith to the fullest, we ask you, Lord, your will be done. We just uh, thank you, Lord, for, for loving us. We thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. If you stay faithful to Jesus, it's going to cost you something, but that's a good thing because you're going to become more like him. If today you've never made that decision that you're going to trust Christ and, and follow him, today's the day. Don't put it off anymore. Just ask him to forgive you of your sin and, and put your hope and trust in what he did, that he died for you and that he was rose again and that he's, he's coming back and he'll give you mercy, forgiveness, and purpose amazing grace. Would you stand to your feet?